Hello everyone and welcome to the very first episode of Midweek Metagame of 2024. I'm Gabriel Nassif, joined by my two regular co-hosts, Patrick Robertson. Happy New Year, everybody. And Canister underscore MTG. Hello. Well, well, well. Another year and we've already got two big tournaments coming up for Canister and I and a lot of competitive players. RC Ghent in Modern, PT Chicago a month later in Pioneer was the new set yet to, to come, even though we got a few spoilers. And uh, no surprise, uh, we've been playing a lot of Modern and a lot of Pioneer. So we're just gonna talk about that, talk about the decks we've been playing, talk about maybe some of the decks we've not been playing, but could be good choice for the RC, look at maybe some tier list, some data, all that good stuff. So yeah, should be a good app. It's been a while. Before we get into the action, I'd like to remind you if you want to support us, of course, our content will always be free, but you can help us out by subscribing to our Patreon, patreon.com slash midweek metagame. All right. How are you doing, guys? Happy New Year. Happy New Year, everyone. Yeah, I'm doing okay. It's been a straight back into it. I started work on the 2nd of January, so <laughs> it feels like the new year is long behind me. But I did get to play some Magic over the over the break. I had three weeks off and did a bunch of bunch of cube drafting, uh, which was you know good fun playing Vintage Cube on Magic Online, but also played a bit of Modern and a bit of Pioneer, just kind of get dipping my toes back in the water for the first time. And where do you want to start? Do you want to start in Modern or do you want to start in Pioneer? Let's do modern first, maybe more relevant to more people and right. Um, okay. Well, I have absolutely zero advice to offer in modern because I just decided that I would play the blue black one ring deck because it looked really fun and they banned some cards and I figured maybe this is good again and it was okay, but it wasn't great. But I have been watching and reading a lot of other things and it seems like you know modern's kind of you know responded to the bans that happened. Well, the fury ban in particular, I guess and up the beanstalk, but. Format's kind of settling back down again, and we've got some familiar faces, but also some uh, new things at the top of the pile. So I know that Canis has been playing heaps of Amulet Titan, so now is your chance to kind of tell us why you think this has risen up in in Modern. Well, Titan is, or I guess, as we will get to that in a minute, maybe was just great. <laughs> <laughs> and modern is just like really you know it's it's really strong it's quietly been doing pretty well for the past few months but as it often goes with uh amulet you it's still a deck that's pretty weak to the hate cards and especially blood moon and magus of the moon and i have to say for me privately i I'm kind of reaching the tipping point where I might feel like I need to shelve this deck for a moment because every time I go to look at tournament results, look up, uh, look at the results of uh, the recent challenges or showcases, if I go and look at the top 10 most played creatures in any given tournament, Magus of the Moon tends to be somewhere in that list. And that's just scary. That's like the level of 
people are people are just getting prepared, right? People are just yeah. getting ready for for amulets. So they are. I hate I hate Magus of the Moon. I hate Blood Moon, and I had free Magus of the Moon in my team of Rhino sideboard this afternoon, and I did uh, kill a Titan player uh, with his own pact that they they couldn't pay. That's that's fun. Classic, and even if they could pay for that pact, then there is still nothing that they can do because with a Magus in play, you can't really play play your game or win in a normal manner. So it's a really it's been a really uphill battle for Amulet in the past few weeks. The numbers of Maguses are rising just to the levels that I've never seen before, and uh, it's getting a little bit rough out there. So. As it often is the case with you know combo decks that are vulnerable to something specific, it might be maybe time to just try to wait it out, try to weather the storm. It's just not getting any any easier for now. It seems like every every prelim I enter is just fifty percent of decks play Magus of the Moon in it. Right, so yeah. which 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 decks are causing this you know influx of mags to the moons? Is it just kind of scam replacing furies and finding a bit more space in their sideboard, or is it, or is it really people just targeting amulet full on and you know sideboarding magus where they may not may not have been sighting blood moon effects before? Yeah, it's it's a combination of of those effects. So amulet been has been doing well, as I've said, for quite some time, but finally. Every every deck that can play Magus of the Moon is catching up, and Ragdos Scam is playing them. Often a copy main deck. Uh, Rhinos is going to sideboard Magus often instead of uh, just Blood Moon, which is much easier to beat with Boseju. So that's been yeah. popping up recently a lot. We're having Merta. this discussion if Blood Moon or Magus was better against which one was easier to deal for Titan. I just have free Magus right now because they're wizards, and in a lot of the matchups where I want Magus, I also want four Flame of Vayner because a lot of these decks, if it's Scales or Hammer Time, you know, they have Urza Saga. And... Right, so you, you're, you've been playing a lot of Rhinos, right, if I remember correctly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But, um, yeah, it's like every deck that plays red. I mean, Teamer, Murktide always had between, or not Teamer, is it Murktide always had between one and three Blood Moon effects, and everyone's you know towards the upper end of blood moon effects right now yeah so so the consensus would be that you find it harder to beat magus and than to beat Poseidon. well you find it harder to beat magus than you then you find it to beat blood moon oh, the blood enchanter, moon, sorry, because yeah, with Poseidon you have a natural answer that slides into your deck that is just always present and you have some ways to deal with the blood moon it's still a rough card and a really strong tool against amulet while for magus you have to actively uh, warp your deck by including removal spells and it's just typically makes your deck worse and it's uh, becomes a really tough line to walk because uh, you just end up either weakening your deck and not comboing off properly or just losing to the magus right Right, and I guess I was just asking, thinking about the kind of latest, the more recent iterations of Tron decks that we saw coming out of the last PT, which were playing lots of copies of cards like um, 
like dismember to specifically to you know well at least in part to fight cards like Magus of the Moon and and other and other 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 difficult answer permanents. And I was wondering, like, is that the sort of adaptation that Amulet can make easily, or is it like you said, it's it's too disruptive to your overall game plan? I think that is. I think this is not an adaptation that Amulet can take easily. Amulet is a really powerful combo deck, but it's not really flexible, and it's really hard for it to play a normal Magic the Gathering game. The cards are just too weird, too too bad in a normal game, or like too awkward. And uh, it's a deck that just needs so many lands in it to function properly. So you see those Amulet lists with 32, 34 lands even. There's just not much space to not much wiggle room to put some interaction cards in there so and every interaction yes. card happens not to be a land which then means that your grazers and dryads are not uh, effective look you say this but have you be. considered going up to 67 cards and just you know there's you can always find space above 60 for sure yeah but <laughs> you are making your deck worse and i think it's a pretty, oh i know you're making a huge worse. sacrifice right Someone, someone had fire spout against me against rhinos after sideboard. Two yes, they it's like ninety, two thousand and seven all over again. They killed my, they killed my first two magus of the moon was two fire spouts. <laughs> That's incredible. That's so good. I hope they left their bitter blossom tokens in play or something yeah. like that. <laughs> incredible, it's, but yeah, that reeks of the story. So you've been, you've been on the rhinos train what again. You might consider so, for Gantz if you know you feel like you have to shelf Titan. Have you thought about it a bit? Today I played my first problem with uh, the new iteration of furyless scum and i have to say yeah the boring choice but you know all the data we get from all the sources that we ever see always seems to point to scum being just an incredible deck and honestly with time passing i'm getting less and less convinced by that fury ban uh, happening like it's barely made the deck worse it's kind of made it better in some ways like for titan for sure it's just it's just better right the fury actually wasn't that good in that matchup so the matchup became worse i feel yeah <laughs> so yeah i know it's been it's been doing well it's been putting up the results i actually saw some some results from um someone on twitter anael yahi who who posts uh, who compiles data and stuff and i'm surprised to see my bait my, my newfound baby the teamer footholds deck teamer rhinos is just not that great apparently just 50 percent win rate but... yeah slumming slumming it with murktide yeah well murktide is like 50 percent forever i was surprised you, said you, you haven't been playing murktide it's been kind of you know i don't know i something just struck me i think i saw someone post a list with videlkin shackles in it and I just went, well, you know, <laughs> just, it's the holiday season. I treat myself. And so I actually, I actually was really helpful against Yogmoth, actually. I was, oh, you're talking about Blue Black. <laughs> blue Black. Yeah, yeah someone yeah, posted I, a Blue Black list with, with, uh, I saw that list. with Videlkin Shackles, and I just played that a few times. <laughs> no, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't wind up going to Merktide. I think, I think I wound up getting caught up playing, you know, playing a bit of Pioneer and Cube Draft was the thing that I was enjoying the most, and I never really found the window to do it. I think, yeah. The thing is, like, nothing's really changed in Murktai for it to be, to, to draw me in. And it's still just a 50-50 deck, like you said. I was just, like, kind of hoping that Blue Black had gotten had gotten somehow better and we could go around to playing that. Yeah. But, yeah, so, yeah Rhino's kind of in the same ballpark of, like, you know, just coin flipping in a lot of matchups. And... Yeah. I do feel like Modern is 
a lot of really really close matchup um in general i don't know if you you guys feel this way as opposed to maybe pioneer a bit where there's more you know rock paper scissor matchups effects um yeah modern i've been playing mostly team of rhinos and omnath i've liked both decks i would consider omnath for the rc if i was not worried about time management and getting draws um omnath's also probably a little trickier to play than team of rhinos and you, you should I, probably been, worry about that right you being yeah. you yeah i mean i did play blue white control at the one rc i played or one of the rcs i played last year and didn't get any draws it, it was close but uh, when i played blue white control in pioneer and I, I think when i know deck well I, I can maybe go faster i wonder if some of the stuff wouldn't even go faster in paper the triggers not sure i'm not if you like on magic online you have to click the mana and this and that but I guess in paper you have to not switch mana. You have of each color that probably takes forever too. Um, but yeah, uh, I, yeah, I've been playing a lot of Omnath, a lot of Rhinos. I've been loving Nissa as always. I'm a Nissa stand, the, the free mana Nissa for Omnath. This is uh, the Lotus Cobra Nissa, right? That finds elementals. Yeah, yeah. Uh, most lists usually play one. I I like to have free. Um, that's maybe the biggest difference between my list and other lists, but uh, yeah, um, Dex, Dex fun, Dex been strong. Uh, I've been trying out stuff like Reprieve, the the, the white remand. I've, I've I've been wanting to try Boom Bus in my sideboard. I saw that. What is the purpose of this card? It was my idea to fight off big mana decks like a cheap Stone Rain. You can either target your fetch land and kind of have a two mana stone rain or you can just cast it i mean you can cast it in theory you can cast it on turn three if you go turn one halfling turn two nissa turn three fetch uh, i think you, you cast the armageddon side yeah. you can yeah okay. you can cast armageddon side so um, it's just gonna win the game if a titan player ever casts a pact and then passes a turn oh that too yeah <laughs> but ever since i added that card to my sideboard i never i never drew it or uh yeah, I got paired against the Lotus Twiddle combo the other day, and if I had drawn it, I think I would have won. But um, yeah, besides that, my, my list has been pretty stuck. I've been trying to figure out what this flex slot should be, you know, when people have two Lightning Bolts. I've been trying, like, a Fire Ice. Some people play one Elish Norn. Um, um, I think, yeah, I think the deck's just pretty strong, but maybe people shy away from it because... Um, I'm not sure, actually. Do you think people have moved away? One one reason I can think that people might have moved away from it is that it did get impacted by these more recent bans, similar to the way that Scam Scam did, but it got impacted twice. It got, you know, After Beanstalk got taken and Fury got taken, and so maybe people are kind of, you know, it took people a little while to get back on and realize that Scam was still good and, you know, start playing that again. Maybe people just a little bit, you know, doubly slow to realize that Four Colors is also pretty, pretty good still, even though you took two cards away from it. Yeah, because the version it. I'm playing now was what I was playing before uh, people started playing up the Beanstalk. You know, I never really liked Fury in that deck anyways, in the Omnap mm -hmm. deck. Uh, the, the version was out of the Beanstalk. And then, uh, yeah, so it's kind of like really close to some of the old lists I was playing. And, you know, ever since testing for PT Barcelona, I realized how how good uh, Nissa was against Cam. Um, obviously, there's some games where you don't draw the fetch land. But it's just, 
you know, a card they have to kill or they kind of lose. They also helps you fight Blood Moon with the, the, the trigger of the mana. And uh, it, it just keeps you going. Occasionally, it will be worse than a card like Fable. That's a card people used to play, but almost no one plays that card anymore. It's pretty weak to Bowmaster. Um, so, yeah, I've been I've been playing kind of a pretty stock main deck, and then sideboard I've been tra trying out stuff. I've had, you know, Veil of Summers card I, I kind of like. It can protect your Chalice in theory from Flame of Anar, or it's it's good against grief obviously um just but yeah nothing nothing too too crazy but if if people out there like omnath i think it's like a reasonable choice there's a player in nail 10 on magic online they've been doing really well racking up top eights and stuff it was fairly fairly similar list so yeah there's one interesting quirk of their list actually seen it the other day when i was scrolling through some decklists it actually contains four copies of cursed totem in the sideboard which is an incredible statement four copies in... wow. <laughs> yeah right rex edge as, that. as it's not a card that's that i would say gets much better in multiples but yeah i guess it works for them yeah i hate it but it, it could work because they're gonna have the first rex age but if you but it means you have to draw two and i mean i feel like at this point just play flame slash or dismember and or, i don't know and then they also have four chalice of the void i'd rather have a little more variety and have cards that are useful in other matchups that i've kind of like reprieve as i said it it does a lot of cool stuff it obviously counters the cascade spells it can save your chalice from a force of negation it actually came up i was theorizing about it and it literally happened in my game where i went turn two chalice they forced i reprieved it and cast it right away again so that was that's kind of cool. Nice. And I'd rather have like one or two less chalice and ways to protect it. Um, yeah, I'm, I wasn't ever a fan of like those quadruple chalice sideboards in general either. If you I are just don't like building to... my, I just don't like building my sideboards like that in modern. It feels too kind of. Especially in the case of chalice, like... which if you draw multiples, you just can't play the second one. Yeah, yeah, you really, you really can't. Yeah. Well, like you know, if you have four flushes, I'm right, sure that's the same yeah. angle. But at least they are all, they all work. But like, if you have a single chalice, then still your opponent needs one EOT Boseju or Flame of Honor to get rid of it, and they get to resolve their Cascade spell. Yeah, yeah. No, th this this case in particular is, partic is particularly special in that in that respect. You know, you could if you want four cards to fight against Cascade, you you're much better off having like like Gab said, two copies of Chalice and then some non redundant pieces that do this to fight along a similar angle. Yeah, it's in. Yeah, I've I've never really been a big fan of this kind of you know four 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 three sideboard plans in modern. I don't feel like the format is too broad. If you'd be able to get away with it, go fighting through the plague. Yeah, we've we've both been a bit sick, Canis, or you've done the, you've dodged the plague over the holidays. No, no illness I'm, for you. No, no, illness. I managed to stay uh, safe and healthy. Wow, yeah. must be nice. Weren't I'm you? Not... Yeah. I was go gonna go. ask Canis or if. Didn't you used to play a decent amount of Yogg at some point, or? Yeah, oh, he's gonna get into this. Mm, not really. I only. No, not really. Double. He's just friends with Zerk. Yeah. Claim Zerk. Claim. Yeah, because that, that that's one of the decks that been like it's one of the most popular decks, and it's yeah. had like pretty solid win rates too. Yeah. And... and big biggest gainer from the bands, presumably. Yeah, because of Fury. Yeah. 
so I guess not. Um, yeah, I don't know. When I play against that deck, it always feels pretty close. Like people say, Team of Rhinos is favorite against it, but I've liked having a couple extra dismembers in my Rhino sideboard because I feel like the matchups a little tough. And you know, you could use the help. You could use a couple extra cheap removal spells. Same same with Omnath. It just feels like a really really close matchup. Yeah, um, when I was playing playing Merktide as well, it was the sort of card where. I really did dedicate a lot more sideboard space to fighting along, fighting various different aspects of that deck. You know, stone scoldings, all this sort of stuff. Like an extra spot removal, making sure you had that eighth lightning bolt effect, or maybe even ninth in the sideboard. Yeah. Cauldron's also really annoying. Yeah, Cauldron is a real pain. That card's scary if it, if it goes unchecked. But, um, yeah, I guess uh, I was I was thinking about maybe going a little detail into team of rhino since that's what i've been playing the most and currently my front runner for uh for the rc even though these stats maybe maybe i should finally play some some games with ragdus uh ragdus scam yeah. i'm not sure i've ever played a league on magic online or prelim or anything on magic online was ragdus scam in my life so kind of classic classic me that not want to touch the best deck yeah, that, that's definitely in, definitely within your range. I was watching Candice for play today. He only lost to the mirror, but then he also said he because he was I when I logged in he was Frio and was scam and then he was losing to the mirror. But apparently you played a the mirror three times today. Yeah, it was rhinos and three three mirrors. Although I did learn a valuable lesson, I or at least I think so, from this problem or or at least something to think about. Namely, it does seem like all of the stock lists of Scam uh, seem to be short on cards for the mirror. So you end up having to... Like a pretty common plan is to bring Leyline of the Void, in my understanding. And that's like what my opponents did to me and like that's what I've heard online earlier. And that's what I discussed with some other Scam players. Uh, is their plan so like what people sometimes end up doing is that both sides would bring in Leyland of the Void while cutting down on on their undying tricks but if both sides do that then there's actually little point to to the Leyland right because there's not much not much else that's affected by it and uh, it's just kind of interesting that this is like the best deck in the format with the highest presence, it seems like. And most lists seem to be short on cards for the mirror. That seems like something that you could exploit pretty easily by playing a scam list that's actually well prepared for the mirror. So that's just like an inkling of an idea. I'm not uh, fully convinced of that. Maybe I'm missing some. Maybe I'm missing the forest for the trees somehow really, here. But are people really bringing in multiple copies of Leyline just to fight against busted like you know, the, the really good opening? I mean, they have no good cards to bring in. I mean, it's also the problem that scam just it's like the jump. It's like jump, right? If you yeah. having sideboard cards for this matchup is all wasted because they can thought seize you or they can grief you. So it doesn't feel great, but I agree it is also weird. I think Seth and some of my teammates actually went 
pretty far that way for Barcelona. They had, I think, only two Ragged Vans in their main deck, and they were playing Night's Whisper in Simon's yeah, Blood. Right. Yeah, that's an adaptation for the mirror. Yeah. I, I guess Night's Whisper could be kind of a cool card that you can bring in a bunch of matchups whenever you have dead cards. Or you, Did you have Bone Crusher, or is that something you were considering adding after? I played a single Bone Crusher Giant, but uh, I considered adding maybe a second one to my sideboard, maybe trying to fit uh, an extra copy of Collagan's Command that was in my mind. I'm not entirely sure if those will like pass the test and will be good enough, but those were the cards on my mind. I think having two Shouldreds seems pretty good. It's not like trivial to kill in the mirror and just yeah, a great, to great top deck. Did you feel and like you had any agency in these games, in these mirrors, or was it kind of somewhat straightforward and just kind of luck-based? Or was, it, was it there a lot like, of tough decisions? It seemed like a mid-range game to me where, you know, lots of stuff can happen. And, like, the biggest non-game issue, I guess, like, came from the fact that you don't have enough cards, so you, like, have to keep Ragavans on the draw when they are really but really stinky to have in able master mirror and then on top of that you have four four seasons and four not dead after all and then you just end up with actually a large amount of cards that end up not being good top decks but if you just try to build it in a way where you would have a bigger amount of good top decks then i don't see why you wouldn't be able to just play a normal mid-range game and uh, try to use your magic skill to dominate your opponent in a situation like that yeah are there any other matchups where you might benefit from having you know loading up on attrition cards or you know kind of two for ones and stuff like that it's probably the mirror mm, blue red merktite you know, idly you would also like play. I have to think about the possible options, right? But idly you would also play something that you can also apply in some other matchups. Maybe something that's useful either against Rhinos or or Yogmoth at times. What I don't think is what I what I don't think you need is a pile of Leyline of the Void because that really <laughs> just seems like bullying Living End to the to the ground. And if you look at the data posted the matchup data posted by Anil. we can actually look up at you know yeah, it's some of the 79 percent win rate ragdust mid versus living end yeah so like like living end is like what so that's probably three, the four, four that's probably the four ley lines fault yeah yeah like but it's three or four percent of the meta you don't need an 80 percent matchup here like a 65 percent matchup will do the job just fine i feel like and it probably would be wiser to spend slots accommodating for the mirror which is gonna be like probably 15 percent in Ghent if i had to guess maybe more and if you can cover merktide too or maybe a little bit of control yeah. or four color of the same slots then you're just getting a much greater meta coverage than just bullying uh, living end and sodek into ground yeah <laughs> yeah well there's some added value for bullying sodek in the ground i'm sure so looking at the numbers from uh our twitter source living in five and a half percent and then reckless mid-range 9.8 so you know two to one 
two to one Rakdos mid range. Yeah, I, I guess I knew the matchup was bad. I didn't realize it was that bad because whenever people ask me about living in, I'm like, well, I think it's too bad against Rakdos mid range to to be bothered playing, but it does make up with like especially a good team of Rhinos matchup, which is one of the most popular deck. So. Yeah, it was the most popular deck over the last month. 12, 12% basically. What, what do you, do you, what do you think is going to be the most popular deck in Ghent canister? I'm guessing it's going to be Scam. I can't see a reason yeah. as to why it wouldn't be. Yeah. I was thinking maybe Team of Rhinos, but yeah, I guess Scam. It's probably, probably going to be close between those two, but yeah, I would guess Scam would edge it out. Yeah. I'll take my, what, what does the data say? Footfalls against Ragnus mid. Oh no, I'm a, I'm an underdog. Hmm. Maybe we'll have to test. Maybe we should. We could test that matchup. That that could be fun. Just test on stream. Team Arena. Get get to the truth. Get to the bottom of it. Sure, you could schedule something like that. I mean, if these are the two decks, if these are the two decks that you think are going to be the most popular, then the natural natural foil based on the, the data we have is Yogmoth, which is you know basically a coin flip against footfalls and then winning six two-thirds of its games against Rakdos. yeah because going back to that i had like a bunch of Rakdos player tell me that like the consensus or the common wisdom is that team of rhinos is favored against Rakdos cam and it was you know in i think it was in barcelona but maybe maybe fury like that's one of the the matchups where losing fury helped them um and I've had some Ragdos Cam player tell me that the matchup feels quite good to them, and I was kind of maybe making all fun of them, and you know, implying maybe they're just running hot, or but yeah, I'm not too sure. Um, yeah, but going going back to specific uh, specifics of Team of Rhinos, I think my main deck's pretty stock. I, I have seen people with only free Lorian revealed, which kind of triggers me a bit. I feel like. That's one of the reasons to play the deck, and uh, you know you have force and subtlety, and you cast it sometimes, and it fixes your mana. So I don't, I get like the argument of like you don't always want to spend the one mana, but I feel like there's almost no way that's that's correct. And uh, I've been playing the flames, you know, the free flames, the free tide binder, the free subtlety in the main. Uh, the two mutavolts and the one gemstone cavern and then right now my sideboard um i think sideboard maybe is the most interesting part and um brotherhood's end is a card that's stocks has rise it's in theory pretty good against scam uh helps in some of the fringe matchups that are really bad like hardened scales uh and um there's you know the the blood moon magus uh the number of endurance uh i was thinking about maybe only playing two because i feel like the first two you want in a bunch of matchups even like in the mirror to reshuffle your footfalls against a control deck and uh you know the third and fourth copy would really just be for the graveyard decks but people were saying that against merc that you kind of want all four what do you what do you think pat um if you're playing merc that against rhinos would I it think be the the more underus the worse for you. I, I I probably it probably has to be. Yeah. I I don't when when I play against endurance with living end when when living end would cast endurance against me it wasn't that big of a deal it felt like they were kind of 
trying to fight on an axis they couldn't really really win on. But I think Murktide's much better. Oh, sorry, Rhinos is much better suited to you know capitalizing on the three four flash than Living End was. So yeah, I just don't think it can be. It can't. It can't really be bad against the against Murktide, But I wouldn't like rely on it to try and if, if you thought the matchup was bad there's probably better things you can do but the matchup's yeah. pretty close so it probably just adds a little bit more in your favor yeah one card that's kind of not as good as i thought it would be and i was talking to to edgar malagish about it edgar mtg and he was agreeing was force of vigor like right now i'm down to just one because card's been a little awkward uh, it's a little awkward sometimes with your Magus of the Moon, you can't cast it. I've had, I got paired against Voidmere as a card apparently. I don't know, maybe that's just fluky, but I played against two different scales opponent and they both got me with Voidmare. Um, I, I played a weird game where I cast my Magus, I wasn't sure if I should, and then I drew my, my Force of Vigor and couldn't cast it because I didn't have double green in my deck and then they had Void Mare in place, so I couldn't pitch it either. So it was kind of, I don't know. Um, do you think that card's like still strong against Titan, for instance, Canister? The Force of Vigor? For sure it is. And it's, yeah. you know, if if the numbers of Force of Vigor start uh, trending down, that will be the first step for to Titan's resurgence. But it's probably going to be a while until such an effect would be achieved globally, even if you are thinking of uh, yeah. trimming it well, just now yeah i mean i have other cards you know like the free blood moon effects probably and i, I we were theorizing replacing force of vigor with a second Boseju. um that card's been clutch for me maybe maybe it was just once again a bit of a fluke but uh just having a turn to play getting uh the bounce land that came up twice in my games against titan and it won me. It won me the game. The game both times, just slowing them down, like many stone rain effect, or not even many, just actual kind of stone rain when you you besiege the bounce land and having that interaction on two that you don't always have uh, with rhinos. It's certainly certainly pretty solid. Although you can also assuredly force a figure on turn two. That happened to yeah. me many times. So. Yeah. yeah. One upside. One upside now... of Boseju though is that uh, Titan has been widely adopting defense grid as a way yeah. to play against rhinos, and then also I personally and I think many Titan players either trim or cut Saga entirely against rhinos, which I then makes Fossil Vigor weaker. But Boseju very neatly goes around the defense grid tax and can actually probably lead to some sneaky blowouts that might not even be expected. Yeah. Yeah, I lost I lost one of my matches was defense grid into Spillone King and I just died it was a bunch of tight binders in hand. Mm -hmm. That's one way to to get around those tight binders which otherwise pose yet another <laughs> problem for Titan in the rhino deck there's plenty of those problems yeah for omnaf too like weirdly i've played a decent bit of team of rhinos recently but zero mirrors but when i was playing omnaf i was getting paired against team of rhinos a lot and i was mostly winning but i did feel like they could easily win the the mid game just tidebinder so scary flame of Vayner when you start combining it with that too they have subtlety it just 
the combinations of these cards makes you so so resilient so versatile and even against scam it's kind of you know, kind of part of your plan too so I, i've really like i don't know maybe i'm getting emotionally attached maybe i would be winning just as much or more was ragdos scam but my results been really solid with rhinos and i'm not, not like amazing but um i don't know good enough so far i think having solid results is a pretty good grounds for picking up a deck right so and, and yeah. sticking to a deck so <laughs> yeah know? i mean still have, like, i wouldn't hold that against you a free two league here a two two prelim there so not not always you know always four one three one five oh but um yeah all right well so can i can i ask, ask ask one question is this tasha's tide binder card the real deal yeah i think so the card it's is... it's pretty good it's pretty flexible like you know the first time you read it, you don't really grasp what it does, and you see it in play, and you're like, oh, it can do this, and that, and this. And it turns out it's just really flexible, and then also pretty well-started, and yeah, the, it's the, well, flame, the well flame of honor blue. synergy is also... Yeah, yeah. I, I've had people tell cherry me on top. good for them in, in the main deck of Omnath. I had I played one one or two leagues was four in my sideboard, but they never came up a ton. I played I played against it in the main deck on that. Yeah. Yeah, it was it was rough at Stone Range. Yeah, I mean if you're not playing an open deck list, the, the, my problem is that the turn is gonna be open deck list and you don't have a ton of instance in Omnath, so mm. it's a lot awkward and I feel like every card in Omnath that you play that's not good to cast up the Omnath mana, that's it's like kind of anti-synergy, you know? So, um, yeah, I don't know. I think it'd be kind yeah. of weird. With it. So you don't think it's the sort of card that can just be, you know, found space for in every deck that can play cast of blue mana? I mean, maybe it's maybe it's that good, especially if you combine it with Flame of Vayner, you need the Wizards, but hmm. obviously these cards are always better when you, you can do something else with your mana when they don't play into it. Yeah. No, it's on my list of things to try in, in Merktide, which is somewhere I haven't seen it come up very much. Maybe people have like one copy in their sideboard or something, but it feels to me like it's, you know, we're always kind of gravitating towards, you know, one or two flex slots that are like, you know, Archmage's Charm or, you know, that, that subtlety, that um, various different options going there, that, that single Blood Moon and Tide Binder seems like it fits perfectly in that game plan. Yeah, one one of in in a main deck and open deck list kind of you know it, it lives rent free in, in your opens. Yeah, you know every time true. they it forces them to fetch on their turn that kind of stuff, right? Uh, I I know who was it Livunga Matias Leverado, um, who had it in his uh, living in sideboard the other day against me. He had a he played a Bone Crusher Giant that almost got me good. He had a Time Binder. Um, can you can you can you confirm how it works for me? Like if I if I counter your violent outburst cascade trigger, does your next violent outburst work? It does, right? Yeah, it does. It does. It's just okay, uh, yeah. yeah it if, if you it works on artifacts, creatures, right. and yeah, I haven't actually read the card. I've just seen the trigger ability coming as well. Stone on you. <laughs> also, even like it it couldn't feasibly work on like future violent outbursts, anyways. But no, that's fine. I just wasn't sure exactly what it did. <laughs> yeah. Here I am asking if we should play one in every single deck that can cast blue, and I just have no idea what the text is. <laughs> I just know that it's popular. It was expensive on Magic Online when I logged in, so I didn't buy one. 
Yeah. Any any more? Bot- I should. Do you um, want to do a Do you want to do a little kind of just quick tier list because tier list seems to be the flavor of the week on uh, on on Twitter dot com, the website. Is it though? Um, no, I, I I honestly hate them, so I'll pass if you if you all want to yeah, pass. I mean, I'd rather just check some data and, and we're, we're, than like. Are we willing sub- to be above the fray? I like being sub- above the fray. My subjective, like emotionally uh, emotional tier list of okay. Best deck my- team of Rhino, second best deck Omnath. Yeah. All other decks tier one point five to save people's feelings. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Uh, I'm just going to put this out to the listener because I said it before before the cast. I don't understand why your tier lists have tier 1.5 and tier 2.5 in them. Just make them tier 1, 2, and 3, and 4, and move on with your life. Anyway, that's it. I've, I have nothing else to say on the matter. All right. Any Anything you guys want to add about Modern, or should we talk a bit about Pioneer? Maybe I can uh, put one more question to both of you. Do you think... Format has improved post bans or about the same or gotten worse. I've enjoyed my matches. I've enjoyed my time playing modern. I'm not sure that says much, but I don't think up the beanstalk was especially fun, right? So I'm more of a fan of smaller magic games than bigger magic games, and just up the beanstalk made it so that. People had half their deck in their hand a little bit too often for my tastes. Yeah, I'm, so I'm absolutely I, with you. I, out of the two extremes, I prefer to have no spells in hand on turn one than to have half of my deck. Well, than to have both players have half of their deck in hand by turn five. Uh, so I guess it improved in that sense, although as a Titan enjoyer. That also has decreased given the like ebbs and flows of metagame causing the Magus infestation. That experience is not particularly pleasant and it uh, is a bit much. Okay. Yeah, and, how, can... and, and how long till Ghent is my last question. A couple of weeks. Right, okay. You peaked, you peaked too soon, Canister. It's funny, I was listening to the Humans of Magic podcast or interview at it and I guess maybe I knew, but... When you were talking about how you're just spamming Titan and crushing everyone, because Amla Titan, uh, that was back when Summer Bloom was legal, still, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was my origin story. I yeah, remember those. I remember those streams. Cool. I have a, I have a. For around that time, my houseman and I used to stream from our back shed in Australia, and my friend was so my houseman was really really into this and watching you play Amulet Titan a lot, and was like, okay, we have to just. I'm just committing to this. And this is before rental services on Magic Online. So he's just, he like literally just put like $500 into, into Magic Online, bought Amulet Titan and like just punted off for like three hours straight on stream and then sold at a huge loss. Like it was, it was a great night in the back shed. It was fantastic. I was just watching my friend piss away hundreds and hundreds of dollars and get really, really angry while I'm just sitting there just doubled over in laughter in the back corner because he just wanted to be like his hero canister. It was, it was fantastic. Yeah. Um, all right, well, maybe let's talk a bit about Pioneer. You've been playing, uh, not the, the, the most exciting deck I've, I've ever watched. Uh, you've been playing a lot of Amalia. Well, how is it not exciting? Ooh, a combination. <laughs> I don't know, just a bunch of creatures. And, yeah, I don't, I don't know. But then there's no creatures in play. 
the game decisions. Yeah, I mean, I guess I guess it is a bunch of creatures, and then eventually you raft them all away, which is a little bit awkward. But yeah, I find this deck pretty very interesting and very puzzling still to me. I'm getting maybe somewhere and like where I want to have it and how I like to build it, but still unsure about plenty of stuff and not sure about its potency in general not sure if i'll yeah. be committing too much time to it the combo is is strong but maybe perhaps the combo is this strong people just don't tend to play too many decks that just would die to it really badly like thinking of decks like maybe gruel aggro or uh boros convoke those decks would just really be really poor against a creature against a combo that just sweeps the board and gives you 80 life yeah. it's pretty hard for them to beat but like most of the stuff i've been playing against is just ragdos control and uh, various btl or enigmatic decks and I just haven't had too many opportunities for the Amalia combo itself to shine, so it felt like I didn't really didn't really have a strong purpose in building my deck around that combo in many matches. So maybe there's gonna yeah. maybe there's gonna be meta games where it's gonna be really great, but it doesn't feel like that is the case now. Yeah, I saw you were mostly of the green one drops. You you didn't have the goose, you didn't have the scouts. Yeah, that was all in like an effort to to make my deck be able at doing something else than just court of, court of calling for my combo pieces and hoping that they stick and yeah. hoping that that beats my opponent because my my opponent seemed to force me to do that, but uh, that also seemed to come with a slew of other issues. Then you're kind of slower, you like can't court as well without the one drops and. Uh, it's pretty hard to get this deck in a place where I really like it. Yeah. But I'll, I'll probably be trying watching... a little bit, not too much. I was just going to say, I was mostly watching you beat a bunch of people and then lose to blue white control when, when you were playing that deck, which, you know, yeah, makes I, sense. I, I couldn't get uh, into place where I would be comfortable against control. Just, just get crushed by I have to uh, ask draw spells and sweepers. Time. Last time we we spoke about this deck, uh, you said you just tried Smuggler's Copter and it did not fit because it made your companies bad and your Court of Callings bad. Is it now time that you finally have, you know tuned the deck to the point where you might want to try Smuggler's Copter again? Just kind of send it in there, get away from the combo. I've thought about it. Like I guess you like you don't want to get away from the com combo because then you would just play, you know, Ragnar's Midrange, right? <laughs> but. Uh, it's a really delicate balance. I tried building a version of this deck without company, and then I just had a deck that had no good top decks whatsoever. So if I ever get got fought seized, I just felt like I can't win the game anymore. <laughs> so I didn't Did feel like a good position. Ranger? J Light Ranger is no good. No, not quite. And uh, then you know I tried cutting down on cord, and then it seemed like my deck is just too weak because I never assembled my combo. Perhaps some middle grounds are yet to be discovered, but 
they might be too middle for my tastes too so yeah I feel like Pioneer is super overwhelming right now. It's overwhelming to me. There's just so many decks, so many different versions. feels like a lot of lists are are not very well tuned. If you look at blue-white control, people play 60, people play Yorion. There's like a bunch of different builds, a bunch of different mana base. You've got, you know, Amalia feels like there's, you know, just a lot of different tweaks you can make. There's, you were talking about the Fires deck, the Yorion ones, the Karuga ones, the Enigmatic mm-hmm. version, the Nave version. And not only that, yeah. some, some of these decks are 80 cards. Like You even see lists. It was like the, the stock list of Fires Enigmatic that did well. That, I think there was a week where there's three different players who four out three different prelims with the same list, and they all had 81 cards. Like, really, you couldn't <laughs> find one card to Sorry. cut. I think you cut you cut the force of the beanstalk canister. I think I saw your list. Uh, yeah, I copied that le- that eighty one list. It comes from Ardos, who is another uh, well esteemed Polish player with some some decent results. Uh, he's a big fan of enigmatic, but he is the source of the eighty one cards decklist because he just he just had to fit uh, hanged executioner somehow and. <laughs> he, did, he claimed that like the only way to fit hanged executioner into his deck is to is to fit it as the 81st so card so that's, oh so that's the 81st card good to know jesus yeah. christ uh, yeah how are you gonna get rid of elishnorn if you don't have uh hanging shoot executioner in your deck i played i played one league with that deck and it felt really good in some matchups and then those matchups I go what there was a matchup I got crushed right I think it was like Quintorius maybe I got crushed that seems pretty rough yeah that matchup felt not great after sideboard it felt like I had a few tools maybe that was my only loss but yeah that that thing felt pretty smooth I like that version like fairly consistent was at four of the beanstalk four Nylea's presence and four of the Fetch a basic, the, the kind of bear card that you can see. Path of the World play. 3. Yeah. Um, list, list, I like the, I don't know how long this list been around for, but the mana base was really f- well thought out. Like the fact that they weren't playing a basic force, they were playing four of the other basics. At first I was like, oh, that, is that a typo? Because, you know, your deck has a lot of green, but it makes sense because all your triumphs are green. I think maybe there's, you know, you have a lot of green source. And when you're casting the enchantment, you never need to get forced. Yeah, it is assumed you have green mana. There's yeah. one one issue I had with that mana base, though. Actually, it's funny that you bring it up in like in, in superlatives. But uh, I played two prelims with the Incarnationless, and the Ardos mana base is sporting four copies of Steam Vents, which is a card I had some slight issues with i have found that steam vents can be pretty stinky if you draw two or three in your opening hand which happened to me somehow like twice or even thrice uh, in those prelims and all of the cards in this deck that cost one or two mana are either green or white so Mm -hmm. like the steam vents can can lead to some awkward hands but we have thought about this with with vardos a little bit and couldn't come up with a satisfying solution to that issue yet so so you can't do stomping grounds and then sulfur falls because sulfur falls 
doesn't well, go like, untapped was Temple Garden, I guess. Because so the one check land uh, is Rootbound Crag, right? Because I think Rootbound Crag comes into play untapped with all your duels and tri lands. Yes, yes, but the issue was more so the fact that it was just a blue red producing land, mm. and like that's not paying for any of your cheap cards. Yeah. Okay, it's, so that's interesting. So maybe that's something that can maybe be improved. On. Yeah, because like the rest of the mana base is set up in in a way where like there is just Radbone Crag, so it enters untapped always with, I think, every single one of your lands that has yeah. a type. I guess like Basic Island, whatever. Yeah. Uh, and then like you also need islands for binding and you need mountains for chain to the rocks. So it just there there is many constraints put on the on the mana base. Um, it is possible that maybe the steam vents is actually the best way to escape that conundrum. But yeah, yeah. No, that deck that deck actually is like if you look at Analiahi's matrixes again, it's like the best the best win rate out of the most played decks, mostly because it crushes. All kinds of Ragdos, actually favored against Phoenix, favored against Amalia, and it does probably against Blue White, it does probably against uh, Lotus Field combo. I was talking about Quintorius combo, that felt quite bad, so. Um, and that was kind of whatever, one of the things I was referring to when I was seeing how Pioneer feels a little more um, rock, paper, scissor ish than, than modern, where everything feels like kind of close to 50 50 to me. For sure, yeah, I think I would agree with that, with that assessment, like the Pioneer matchups just feel sharper. Yeah. yeah. I guess that's kind of, if I'm looking at the data, it's almost, that's played out in just the kind of, the, the, the bounds, the confidence intervals are really, really broad for a lot more matchups than it is in, than it is in modern. So you're getting like more matchups at a higher variance, like your, your pairing actually matters a lot more. It's interesting. I hadn't really thought about that in, in, in Pioneer. I, maybe maybe decks I've been playing kind of give the illusion that the that the games games are closer than they actually are. Yeah, um, I've 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 uh, well, I was gonna say I I forgot already. <laughs> I was gonna make a point, but. I guess I'll talk about what I've been playing then. Uh, you've been playing a lot of Amalia. I think you've been playing a bit of these Fires decks too. I've played a lot of... Uh, not a lot, but I've played a bit of that blue-white uh, Yorion deck with the kind of weird mana base, the four citadels, with the eight field of runes. Uh, it's the VF mm. VFS list. Um, I didn't know what to play in the Pioneer Showcase. I ended up just ripping their list because they had won the, the, the challenge the day before and it was fine. I actually went, I was six and two, and then I got paired against VFS in the last round. So the mayor, and I got kind of probably a little outplayed or kind of outplayed myself. But uh, it was funny because I won game one, and then they chose to let me play first in game two. They did the Wafo, Wafo tech of drawing first in, in the control mayor, and they won mostly because I played really bad. 
and then game three I chose to be on the play, so disrespecting them kind of, because I always make that joke when I choose to let someone draw and then they choose to be on the play. I feel like I always say like, oh, they're just disrespecting me. And um, so I did that and I mulliganed and then I was down kind of two cards and it, it didn't work out. But um, yeah, I felt like Yorion was really strong for me. I feel like Yorion won me a lot of rounds against Ragdos and whatnot, just against Phoenix, all these all these grindy matchups. Yorion was, was huge for me and resetting lockdown is 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 pretty sweet. Um, yeah, I was pretty impressed by your um, by some of the things you get to do with Yorion in that in that deck because I've been playing the sixty card version of Blue White and not really didn't really feel like I was incentivized to play Yorion until I until I, I watched you watched you play. There's lots of nice little neat tricks you get with Yorion in that in, in that list that you know when I've in the past when I've seen seen these blue white decks I felt like you don't really gain a huge amount by going up to 80 cards and getting the, the, the big bird in your sideboard and you have to play kind of pretty marginal cards like Omen of the Sea to make it worth your while but maybe with the addition of temporary lockdown you're kind of just building up critical mass of things that make it actually worth your while yeah and I also, I like, hoping... I also like the the wandering emperor synergy as well that's that's really sweet yeah Yorion emperor synergy came up a decent bit for me um the, the aggro matchups still seem tough. I, I played a prelim today. I, I lost to... Uh, I did go 3-1, but my one loss was to Mono White Aggro, just the, the humans deck. Yep. They get... Uh, I usually get Cavern of Souls now. That was uh, the most recent addition, which was actually like a little relevant for them. Um, and these matchups are still tough. Your mana is still a lockward, and a lockdown is nice, but... Sometimes you do miss part of old hole, and that, that was the, the beef I had with the urine list before. It was just too inconsistent against all the aggro creatures. It was maybe a little inconsistent against Mono Green Devotion, and I guess this deck still has these problems. The, the mana also is, is weird. When you play 80 cards, you have to play a, a lot of lands that come into play tapped. Um, and I mean, uh, this list kind of pushing it was the, the four Citadels, four Anchorage. Um, I was really impressed with I was really impressed with Citadel though that card seems great yeah Citadel is solid it is fixing and the the field over thing is real you know it it can get get you some some edge against Phoenix Uh, Ragdos relies heavily on on their their value lands and uh, that's what you lose so a lot when you're playing control they they end up grinding you out with your value lands so having 8 field over is is kind of nice there um you know, I'm not blown away by by this deck, but I haven't been I've been playing like kind of a bit of Phoenix, but not super impressed with that. I've been playing some blue light control that's been fun, but I'm not sure that'd be super reasonable to invest a ton of time. Yeah, blue black's the sort of deck that like I feel like it only really has an advantage over blue white in the mirror. Mm, yeah, I'm not even sure it's that great in America. The, the the white plains walkers are really yeah, strong. This is this is um, true. I felt like it just had like a it was like a little bit better at playing at instant speed, so it had a bit of an edge in the mirror, but it didn't really gain anything anywhere else. Yeah, my theory was that I thought blue black was pretty good against everything, but Ragdos midrange before, and that mm. if people, which is not clear because actually a lot of people still have been playing Bangbuster and not Copter, but if people switch from Bangbuster to Copter, that's actually good for blue black because. You can fatal push a copter and you can't fatal push a bangbuster 
and it did happen in practice. You know, I, I used to like almost never win that matchup and I have been doing okay against the, you know, small sample, but I've been doing okay against the copter versions of, of, of Ragdus with blue black. So, I mean, it's a deck that's like, it's going to be close to a lot of matchups, but I don't know. I could see myself, I guess, playing blue black control at the PT if we don't break it, if we don't find a deck that's much better than the rest. Um, do you, do you have your eyes on, on anything right now, Cancer, besides Amalia? Is there the deck that stands out to you in Pioneer? Do you think the new set's going to change much? I, I'm kind of excited about the cantrip, the like new thing twice. It's like a blue and one instant draw card, and then you get a clue. Oh, what a sweet card. <laughs> yeah. There's a pretty limited amount of cards revealed just yet, so it's pretty hard to judge if it's going to make a big difference or not. So yeah. I haven't thought of that. I paid some minor attention to the effective reprint of uh, Thrabble Inspector but yeah, uh, couldn't like make anything with it else than just put it in Convoke which is not really a deck I will want to pursue too much I don't think so so yeah I'm not very impressed by that deck either I'll do some extra minimal work on Amalia if I have some genius idea Maybe I'll stick to it if I want. Then I'll probably play a bunch with uh, Phoenix, which was typically my my deck of choice. Not too excited about it. Maybe I'll play a bit with uh, Ragdos or Lotus Field. I saw a card. I was wondering. It looked like kind of decent to me. I think it's a white and one. It's called Not On My Watch, a white and one instant exile target attacking creature. So it's a bit like Elspeth Smice that you see in some sideboards or some lists, which is a white, I think it's free damage to target attacking or blocking creature and you exile mm -hmm. it if it dies that way. And yeah, I was wondering if Not On My Watch could, could, could see, is that, is that a pioneer playable card? Mm, I think with Get Lost, uh, like that's just a great removal spell and pretty hard to to play yeah. removal. So they're conditional on creatures attacking with just so many things that just end up not needing to attack. Yeah, Exile is nice and not giving them else is nice, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, Alright, uh, I guess... Um, should we put it on the line? Yeah, let's put our all lives on the line. Uh, uh, first time for 2024. Who wants to go mm. first? All right, well, I'll do, I mean, I'll do I it guess, first. So, sorry, sorry. First of all, for those of you who are new to the podcast in 2024, Life on the Line is a theoretical tournament that is happening tomorrow. We each have to choose a deck from the top formats we've, we've uh, talked about today, and the stakes are high. If you win, you live. If you lose, well, you die. So, can I say you wanted to go? Yes. In modern, I am choosing to play Ragdos Scam. Too afraid of the Magus infestation to continue tightening. Like when it's a matter of life and death, that's that's mm. just too much. Yeah, this the segment was invented specifically to try and get people to really take it seriously, but we just never have. Like, I guess this podcast has been going for almost five years now. And I'm I'm not playing Leyland of the Void. I'm playing 
mono bone crusher giants in that slot for a time. Has a chance to bring living in, Gab. <laughs> yeah, it's probably still in that matchup. And uh, Chalice and Voidwalker and. <laughs> Yeah, I'll take I'll, I'll take my sixty percent chance to survive against Gap. That's that's all I can get, and that's that's fine. And uh, for Pioneer, I am choosing the Phoenix decklist that won the showcase challenge this weekend, which is Ghoul Ducat's uh, decklist. Mm. Pieces of the puzzle, eh? Is it yeah, I'm trust I'm trusting Daniel. Nah, there's no way. Just I think it's just. The deck go to get all this play, so yeah, I would guess yes, but I trust him, yeah, he's very good and he plays Phoenix a lot. Okay, all right, Ted, what about you? All right, uh, in modern, I'm gonna play Blue Red Murktide Cold, absolutely no practice, no checking out new cards. I'm going 49.8% win rate, I'm taking it, it's about <laughs> as good as I'm hoping to get in a tournament like this. Honestly, I could take it or leave it. Um, in Pioneer, I'm going to play Blue White Control, and I'm going to keep playing 60 cards because okay. I'm just taking a I'm just taking a stand basically. I'm just taking a stand against going about 60. You, you got to hook me up with your list, right? I will. I can, I'll send you, I'll send you through my list next time. How, how many dig for times? Zero. Zero. I have four memory deluge. Hmm, good card. Yeah, ex exactly. I also have four of a card you really hate, which is much about the worldly light. Is that card actually good? It kills manlands for one mana. That is important. It is. And it also exiles phoenixes. And I often wor worry that I have lots of cards in hand and no time. And All right, I like casting one mana spells. That's my game. Yeah, but I think my, the main flaw of my deck at the moment is it has too few supreme verdicts. So I'll, I'll figure something out. But I, I've got something I kind of like. And uh, yeah, that's what I'm going to play. What about you, Gabe? In modern, I'm going to play Team of Rhinos. And in Pioneer, I guess just blue-black control. Ah, oh, metagamed against me. No. Yep. Just hope to dodge Ragdos. Or maybe I should just play the Fire stack and hope to get paired against Ragdos. Maybe that's more reasonable. I like, I like that we still haven't figured out after all this time whether a life on the line is a tournament between the three of us for supremacy or against an open field I still no, haven't we kind of oscillate it's, it's an open field no, you think it's not, an open I'm, field like, oh I'm, yeah I've always yeah I was like pretending that it's just the three of us oh no every, just every now and then I like to imagine that it's just the three of us anyway we're all still here aren't we yeah, I guess we all just yeah. timed out yeah yeah well as always if you made it this far thank you so much for listening we really appreciate you yeah. and um you know, quick shout out to ourselves. Canister, where can we find you on the internet? On twitch.tv slash canister underscore MTG. All right, what about you, Pat? You can find me on x.com slash get underscore smart. That's G-H-E-T-T. And you can find me on Twitch as well, twitch.tv slash yellowhat. Um, battling in the same prelims as Canister sometimes. There was that tournament the other day. We kept having the same record. Maybe I was in the showcase. I think every round by one, we had the same record, but we, we never got paired. And I was playing blue-white, and you were playing Amalga, so I was hoping we'd get paired. But <laughs> dodged. dodged. Yeah, easy dodge. Never lucky. All right, well, we hope you all have a great week. And we'll see you next time.
Yeah.